Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. So I want to speak to you today about prayer. We're going to talk about prayer a little bit today. Uh, Last week, Dustin spoke on the fact that prayer is transactional. And I was happy to hear my son preach last week, and, uh, and you get to meet him. I'm so proud of Justin and Danil. And we're so excited to be here at Anchor Church. And uh, we're here when we can be, when I'm not out speaking or traveling. Or we also do a little rotation visiting the other two kids' churches a little bit. But I love being here with all of you. And we call this our home. So we're thankful to be here. And I love watching Danil lead worship and praise. And I love hearing Justin up here. Justin's just got that humor timing, doesn't he? He's, he's just good at it. I like that. And brings a good word for us. So... We love being here, and we're thankful for everything that goes on here. Dustin spoke on prayer being transactional, that it's a transaction between us and God. But, you know, we just wonder a lot of things about prayer when we think about it. You know, when are we supposed to pray, and what is our posture supposed to be when we pray, and, and how do we pray? And, and uh, that's probably a sermon in itself. And then I also know sometimes when we pray, have you ever found when we pray, come on, that suddenly your mind just goes somewhere else besides praying. You know, it's like I'm going to get out on my knees and pray. Oh, man, that knee hurts. I'm going to have to get to the doctor about that knee and see what's going on with that, you know. And, and our mind goes there. Yeah, I've got to mop this floor again. Let's <laughs> get a little dusty here. And I'm getting old. I'm going to be 65 this week. Wow. I wonder how that Medicare is going to be. I'm going to have to check on that and see. I don't know why. They, don't, they, they never call me back, man. I'm on the phone forever. They're horrible. You know how you kind of just get away from praying? Ever happened to you? Yeah, if you've ever prayed, it happens because Satan is working hard to keep you from praying, to keep you from having a transaction with God, from keeping you from talking to God. But I'm going to talk to you today about a prayer And uh, Justin asked me to speak on prayer. This is really kind of a heavy message on prayer because I want to speak to you today about praying to get answers to your prayer, praying till God answers your prayer. I wrote down in my notes, I want to talk to you about extreme praying. Some of you today need to hold on to some extreme praying because you have some extreme situations in your life. And I hope this will be a help to you a little bit today. Could I pray for us as we get started? Father, I come to you and I thank you for the privilege to get to be here today. It's always been an honor to get to stand up for you and the word of God. I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. And help me to be a good servant for you today. Help me to say nothing more than you would want, but all that you would want. And would you help us all to be good listeners, to hear what you have to say to us. Bless now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, the Bible says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. 
He said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 9, And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. This idea of keeping on praying till God answers your prayer. Keep on praying. Never give up, and you will get your answer to prayer. Uh, prayer always has an answer. Sometimes God's answer to prayer is direct. I mean, you ask, and immediately God does the very thing you ask. Sometimes our, our prayers come back different. Have you ever found that the thing you asked God for, he answered, but he answered it different than you asked? That, I feel like that's kind of the norm in my life. That whatever I ask God for, if I wanted blue, he gives me green. I mean, he, he just gives me different. And I know that God does that because God knows what's best for us. If you believe that, say yes. Yeah, God does know what's best for us. Sometimes it's direct. Sometimes it's, it's different. Sometimes God's answered our prayer is delayed. And I believe one of the reasons God's prayer answers are delayed to us because he wants us to keep talking to him. Right? Because if we get those answers so quick, what do we typically do? Quit talking to him. And so I believe God sometimes delays those answers knowing that's where you are in your life right now. And sometimes God's answer is no. He denies the very thing we ask because he knows what's best for us in our life. So to set up these thoughts today, I want to tell you that God doesn't always do what we want. Because sometimes our prayers are selfish and they're not going to be good for us. And it's not the right thing for God to do in our life, and we come to him that way. And sometimes not all that we chase is good, nor should we have all that we want. Sometimes it's wrong for us. It's the same with our kids, right? How many of you have kids? Raise your hands. How many of you were a kid? Raise your hand. Say, I don't, I don't know. It's a long time back. I don't know if I was a kid. You were. Well, the reality is sometimes our kids ask us or asked us for things they weren't good for them. Our second child is dying. And by the way, Danelle, I made a decision today. I'm not going to say anything negative about you today. I'm not going to throw you under the bus. Danelle was pretty much perfect. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Diane is our second child, our oldest daughter. When she went away to college in Springfield, Missouri, by Thanksgiving, she was writing me letters that were tear-jerking. Please let me come home, Dad. I, I can't do this. I'll, I'll come home. I'll go to college locally. I'll be everything you ever wanted me. Please let me come home. I mean, she agonized about it. When she came home for Christmas, I'm telling you, she begged. She, she wanted to, to come home. And I just said, you need to finish the year. You started it. Let's finish the year up there. And she did. And by the end of the first year, she couldn't wait to get back and finish up those four years. I say finish those four years. Into her senior year, she got a boyfriend and uh, got engaged. And now she wanted to please let us get married before school's out. And I said, no, wait till you get out of college and then get married. And, and absolutely, they knew what was best. But really, I knew what was best. You ever find that with your kids? I, I believe we're the same way with God and that we ask God at times for things that he doesn't want us to have. However, however, when there are things that we believe that are what should happen or needs to happen in our life, I want to challenge you today about staying after God in it. So let's look at that passage in Luke chapter, uh, excuse me. Yes, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. 
want to talk to you about this prayer of desperation. Praying something where you are shamelessly, openly desperate before God. Before I read the passage, I'm reminded, Don and I were talking this morning, I said, when have we ever been desperate about our kids? And she said, Dustin. And when she said his name, I remember Dustin as our eldest. You heard him last week. When he was 16 years old, him and a group of boys were riding in a car, and they were goofing off, and they were shooting BBs at stop signs and cows and things. The way I found out about it is when the Orange County Sheriff's Department and the Center Hill policemen, they only have one, showed up at my house and said that they had a, a warrant out for my son and whoever was in the car for him for a drive-by shooting. We didn't know about the BB. We just knew they were there at the door. So the cops have each, I have made all the boys come over to the house and their parents, and one at a time he's interviewing them in the kitchen. And when they get Dustin in there and he's talking about it, Donna's standing in the kitchen while the guy's talking to the kid and she's going, please, please, he's only 16, he didn't mean it, please let him go. I'm saying, Donna said, I can't settle down, please, please. She was shameless. And she was persistent. And she was staying after it. And it may be a little bit funny, but it wasn't funny that day. It was shameless, persistent, staying after God. Listen to this scripture, Luke 11, 5 through 8. Then Jesus is speaking. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your what? Shameless persistence. Because you just stayed after it. Now, look what he says after that. Present tense now. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. This is this shameless persistence of staying after it. And I want you to see that prayer. It's all what's called active imperatives. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. In other words, I ask for God, and I keep asking him to do this. And then I don't sit on my rear end waiting for God to bring it to me. I get out there and look for God's answer to my prayer. You ask for a job and you stay in your bedroom all day, every day, you're probably never going to get the job. But you beg God for the job. Then you go out and look for the job and you knock on the door till God opens the door and shows you his answer to your prayer. Do you get the principle of shameless persistence of staying after God? Do you get it? Yes. That's how God says he wants us to pray and how he wants us to talk to him. If I asked any of my kids who was the kid in our family with the most shameless persistence, we would all say, Derek. Derek is our fourth. He's our son, the youngest son. 
Derek has shamelessly begged for stuff all of his life. All through his childhood, all through his teenage years, and now as an adult, he still shamelessly is persistent with me and with others. Who has gotten more than anybody else? Derek. Why? Shameless persistence. I want to say to you, this is the example that God gives us here as we move along. As a matter of fact, in that passage where he says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. He further goes in there and he says, so you dads, if your kid asks for a, um, a fish, would you give him a snake? And he said, if he, if he asks for, for bread, would you give him a stone? And he said, no. You dads wouldn't do that, and, and we're just fleshly, sinful dads. And he said, if you would do the right thing, just think what your heavenly Father in heaven will do for those of you who ask him. He wants us to know that we're to come to him and we're to ask him and we're to beg him. Let's look at that Luke 18 passage. It says in verse 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people, that a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Do you see this persistent staying after it? The verses continue, verse 6. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Persistence. Staying after God in prayer. We don't always get what we want. We know the Apostle Paul said that on three different occasions he stayed before the Lord asking God, to remove what Paul called a thorn in the flesh. The Bible doesn't tell us what it was. Uh, some people historically say that Paul may have been blind or going blind. Nonetheless, the Bible says three times he prayed that the Lord would remove it, and the Lord finally answered him and said, I'm not going to move it. You're going to keep it. And at that point, he realized God had answered his prayer, different than he asked, but what God wanted him to have. And he said, now... I will glory in my infirmity. I'll glory in this thorn because in my weakness, he's made strong in my life. Persistence till God answers. Moses, God was going to destroy the children of Israel. And Moses went before God and he said, God, you can't do this. And the Bible says Moses stayed on his face before God and he said, God, if you, if you destroy the children of Israel, you have told everyone that we're your chosen people. And if you destroy us, what is this going to say to the heathen world? God, you can't destroy us. You've got to save us. And the Bible says God heard Moses' prayer and spared the people. Elijah stood on Mount Carmel 
And, and they had all of the prophets of Baal up there praying to their God. And finally, Elijah prays to God and says, God, would you bring fire upon this altar? And God did. God answered these persistent prayers that we see in the Bible. But there's one other one that I want to talk to you about today. And it's over in the book of Genesis. And it's a story about Jacob. Do you remember the two brothers, Jacob and Esau, right? Jacob and Esau. Jacob must have been the fair-haired kid. The Bible indicates that Esau was ruddy-looking, bearded, maybe a little gruff in his voice. Jacob and Esau grow up together, but Jacob takes advantage of his brother one day and gets his brother to give him his birthright, his inheritance. And Jacob deceptively sits before his father, Isaac, and gets the inheritance. And Jacob has been living with the fabulous riches, and Esau has been living with second best. And now after years, Jacob and Esau are getting ready to face each other. It's coming down. And Jacob is scared to death because he knows how wrong he did his brother. The Bible says that Esau has 400 fit soldiers with him. And Jacob is getting ready to face him. And Jacob, uh, he, he, he puts everybody to the side and finally tells his wife and his kids, get away from me. I don't want you here when he comes. And he's getting ready to face his brother and he's fight frightened. And the Bible tells us that the first thing Jacob does is he gets on his face before God and he begins to confess his sins. By the way, that's a good place to start is just be honest with God. And I want you to see in Genesis chapter 32, in verse 24, it says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, all alone. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Where it says a man came to wrestle with him, that in the Bible is what's called a theophany. Because you're going to find in the end of this story that that man was God in the form of a man. So he's wrestling with God. The Bible says he's all alone. I want to ask you today, have you gotten to the point in your life where you're dealing with something and you're all alone? Nobody else can help you. Nobody else can. Nobody else can fix this. Nobody else can get you through what you're going through. You're all alone. Jacob's all alone right now. He's before God. It says in verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. The Bible says Jacob wrestles with God all night long. And in the morning it says that he could not prevail over Jacob. Jacob wouldn't let him go and he he crippled him in the hip. I think that's interesting. It says in verse 26, Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He didn't say it like that. He said, No, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. I've got to have your blessing. You can cripple me. You can do anything you want, but I'm not letting go. God, I need you to answer me. 
extreme, persistent praying. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33 and verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know of. That word call is the Hebrew word kara, and it means beg me shamelessly, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know about. I want us to gather and understand today that there comes points and times when, I, look, I know there are prayers of, of, of thanksgiving. We come into his courts with thanksgiving and, and, and into his gates with praise, and we, we, we thank the Lord and we bless the Lord wonderful, and, and we come and we, we pray intercessory prayers for other people like my friend Roy who has cancer and others that I pray for, but I'm talking about us coming to God because we desperately need God to do something in our life. Call unto me, he says. So here's the two or three things, and I'll just take a moment to say them. Jacob had an issue. His issue was that as he comes during this time to stand before God, he knew that he needed God alone. Jacob had been used to making it on his own. He had used his looks. He had used his smarts. He had used his quick mind. He had used his personality. He just kind of got there, you know, that guy. That's how he had been making it. But now he realizes that's not going to get me where I need to go. That's not going to get me through this trial. Hey, everybody, look a minute. We seem to try everything we can before we go to God. I, I saw a little plaque on a pastor's desk one time. He said, this is your last stop, but it should have been your first. And I want to tell you this. We make God our last stop when he should have been the first stop. And here Jacob realizes my issue is I can't do this. I need God. I want to ask you something today. What's your issue? What's your issue today? Is it a financial issue? Employment? Sickness? Is it something that is personal going on in your life? It's just beating you up. You can't get through it. And you need help. I think the most important thing is Jacob, when he was alone, came face to face with his issue. And you'll never get from God what you need till you know your issue. Maybe you're having marriage problems today. Maybe you have a prodigal child. I want you to take a moment and I want you to just identify your issue. And the second thing I want to talk to you about is your struggle. Jacob struggled with God. He was on his way to face his brother. He couldn't do it on his own. It doesn't work. You have to put your trust in God. And it's hard to let go of everything else and trust God. I won't take the time to tell the whole story, but in the New Testament, Jesus is walking one day. And the Bible says as he's walking along, a lady with an, it says in the old King James, an issue of blood, maybe leukemia. I don't know what it was. But she had some kind of a sickness. And it said, 
and she was dying from it. And here's what else it said. It said she'd spent all her money that she had on physicians and was not better, but was worse. Jesus is walking along and she pushing through the crowd, she touches the hem of her garment saying, I just believe if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I would be made whole. I want to talk to you about your struggle today. You've got to give up on all of the things that you think this world's going to help you get through. And you got to call on God. The struggle is it's hard to let go. We want to figure it out. We've always depended on ourselves. Maybe when you were growing up, nobody ever came through for you. And because nobody ever came through for you, you're struggling on whether God could come through for you or not. But I want to tell you today, God can come through. God can answer your prayer. God can do this thing. What's your issue? If you would just struggle to God today and say, God, I need you. I'll not, I'll not let go till you bless me. You can show me that I'm nothing. You can cripple me. You can do whatever you have to do. Could I tell you something today? I've been through some tough times. It's not all been good. Most of my life has been good, but I have had attacks on me that I couldn't do anything about. And I've had some self-inflicted injuries. My fault. Just like you and me. I've had issues and I've learned in the night. I gotta wrestle this through with God because God is the only one that can fix this. God is the only one. But there's more than an issue and there's more than a struggle. Here's the good news. There is victory. <laughs> there's victory. God has victory for us. It's an incredible word. So the Bible moves forward and it says, Jacob has this lip now. And Paul ended up living with a thorn. And, and I don't know what you're going to live with, but I'll tell you what the victory's like. The Bible says in verse 27, this man, God, asked Jacob, what is your name? And he replied and said, my name is Jacob. Now, I'm not, I, hope, I don't know if anybody in here's name is Jacob, but in the Hebrew day, Jacob meant double-tongued or deceiver. Jacob said, my name's Jacob. Maybe God's asking you today to look inside you. Maybe he's saying to you, what's your name today? What's your name today? Cheater. What's your name today? Depression. What's your name today? Manipulator. What is your name? What is it that's going on in your life? God wants you to come face to face with what is the downside in your life. And then it goes, as Jacob made his confession to God in verse 28, God says, your name will no longer be Jacob. He says, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won.
You know what Israel means? God's fighter. Israel means prince with God. Israel means one who prevails with God. God kind of liked changing people's names that way in the Bible. Do you remember Abram, which meant father of one, became Abraham when he trusted God, the father of many? And Sarai, which meant barren, became Sarah when she trusted God. And in the New Testament, a guy named Simon, which meant Sandman, became Petros or Peter when he trusted God. And Saul persecuted the church. He was a destroyer. And now he becomes the apostle Paul. God has a way of changing us. Here's what I want to tell you today. God can bring change in your life. God can bring victory in your life. God can bring you victory as soon as you face the issue. Take the struggle to God. Confess it to God. God, I need only you. But I need you, and I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And you can give me a limp if you need to. You can take away whatever you need to. But I am not going to let go of you until you bless me. Bless me, Lord. Bless me. Would you bow your heads, please, today? Shameless persistence. I wonder today, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if I could pray with you today. I wonder if there are some of you today that would say, Pastor Dave, I have an issue. I have something that I know I need God. I know God alone is the only solution and salvation in this. And I just want you to pray with me when you pray. I want you to pray with me. Because today, I want to say to God, God, I'm going to wrestle with you until you bless me. I'm going to stay in prayer until you bless me. I wonder if there's any of you who'd say, that's me today. Pray with me. That's my prayer. If that's you, would you just lift your hands up and let me pray for you today. God bless you. God bless you. Just keep them up a minute across the room. God bless you and you. Yes, yes. I know it may be a little old-fashioned, somebody doing this, but I'm a little old-fashioned. told you I'm 65 this week. Anybody else say, pray with me. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands. Many of you. Young and old young families, young people. Anybody else pray with me? You can put your hands down. Let's all stand together and let's pray together today, could we? Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.